Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Norwegian Bliss this week. Also, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Cruise Radio News, our daily quick hits of the news, Monday through Friday, the three things you need to know. Check it out at Cruise Radio News. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. So Holland America had to cancel a cruise in South Florida over the weekend. Yes, and December 14th, the departure of Holland America's new Amsterdam was canceled. The decision to cancel the seven-night Eastern Caribbean cruise was due to issues with one of the ship's Azipod propellers. A spokesman for the line said that the ship could safely proceed with only one Azipod engine working, but it would have to be approved by several regulatory authorities. So rather than wait, the voyage was canceled. The good news is passengers received a full refund of their cruise fare, reimbursement for any air change fees, plus they received a 100% future cruise credit. Some passengers were able to rebook themselves on Holland America's Koningsdam and the new Statendam, which were also sailing from Port Everglades on Sunday. Um, this is a nice little story. And it's a little sideline to that. After the cruise was canceled and they, the cruise line knew the ship was not going to go anywhere, they donated 11 pallets of perishable food to a local food bank called Feeding South Florida. Royal Caribbean is bringing one of their mega ships to the Gulf Coast. Yeah, so there's a whole big deal about this. So Royal Caribbean is going to build a new state-of-the-art 170,000-square-foot two-story cruise terminal at the Port of Galveston. Construction is expected to begin this coming April with completion in fall of 2021. Um, But uh, the new cruise terminal, just a little bit of info, it'll be built on 10 acres on the eastern side of the port, on what's now called Pier 10. The new terminal will, of course, have state-of-the-art features that include mobile check-in and facial recognition. As you mentioned, they're bringing a megaship, and that will be the Allure of the Seas coming in November 2021. The ship will have already received a $165 million refurbishment. This is all part of Royal Caribbean's Royal Amplification Project and will sail seven-night Caribbean cruises from the ship's new home port at the brand-new terminal. So a vision report of the cruise industry just came out, and I think it's safe to say cruising is on the rise. Yeah, I'll just briefly touch on this. It's from CLIA, the Cruise Line Industry Association. So they've predicted that in 2020, 32 million passengers are expected to cruise. So this is a 40% increase over the 19.1 million passengers who cruised way back in 2010. That's when we first started this whole this whole gig, right? Mm-hmm. Um and nearly half of those who cruise are expected to come from North America. The Caribbean market's the biggest winner, um, taking up about 
of all the cruises, 278 ocean-going cruise ships are expected to be in operation next year. And that includes 17 new ships that will join uh, the CLIA member cruise line. So, you know, it's not almost all the cruise lines that anyone can think of do belong to CLIA, and that's what they're talking about. Um, and this is an interesting little factoid. I came up on it when I was reading the study. In 2018, cruise passengers spent an average of $376 in an embarkation port before they boarded their cruise ship. And in each port of call, they spent about an average of $101 per person. That's about on average. Like when I fly into Miami with the hotel and the Uber to the port and dinner and everything, mm-hmm. it's probably a good couple hundred dollars. Easy. That's, yeah. you know, and, and that's a solo. So if there were two of you eating, you know, two or three meals plus the hotel plus the taxi. Yeah, makes sense. Port Everglades broke a world record. They did. So Port Everglades happily announced that on December 1st, the amount of passengers that embarked at the port on one day broke the previous record for one day's embarkation that was set back in 2016. So there were nine cruise ships in port from six different cruise lines on December 1st for a total of 55,964 passengers that departed on their cruise on that one day. So the previous record from March of 2016 was 55,885 in one day. So doing the math, that's 79 more passengers that surpassed the 2016 record. And every every little bit helps, right? Yeah, that's a great number. But I'm sure trying to embark or debark on a day like that has got to be absolute hell. I've done a Sunday at Port Mm -mm. Everglades once. And no kidding, I was in trying to get out of the parking structure. It took over two hours. Yeah, someone posted in a Facebook group today that they were trying to get out that day. And it took them an hour and 40 minutes from deck four of the parking garage. Yep, exactly. I think I was on the roof, so I, that was you know, either four or five. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, you know, when you're inhaling the fumes and, and you're just sitting there. I, so, you know, I think they've got it a little bit better. But I know even when you're driving into the port after you come off uh, 595, it can be backed up with two or three lanes just to get into the port area itself. So yeah. I don't know. I'm happy for Port Everglades for sure. But, yeah, good um, for them. Uh, so an yeah. odd story here. It uh, looks like Virgin Voyages is bottling the scent of their upcoming ship, Scarlet Lady. They are. So Virgin Voyages now has their own fragrance, and it's called Ship Number One, and it's nicknamed the Signature Scent of Scarlet Lady. Ship Number One was created by Air Aroma, and I'll describe it as it was in the press release. It has tones of the ocean and sea lavender, plus hints of sun-kissed wood from a fig tree. There are plans to infuse the fragrance throughout the Scarlet Lady. Even before the ship is launched, you can purchase the scent online at, get this, it smells like ship.com and costs $50. Sir Richard said he plans to donate all the net proceeds to Ocean Unite, an ocean conservation nonprofit foundation. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if they're going to infuse that, put it into the ventilation system. Yeah. But what if you have like, there's people who have fragrance allergies, right? Absolutely. And just don't want to smell ship number one. Yeah. Old spice or something. That's right. I... 
Uh, let's see. <laughs> Carnival Cruise Line has modified their dress code. Yeah, so this is posted on Carnival's website. There's a new section listed under the what to wear uh, FAQs, and this is what it reads. Um, it says all guests are expected to ensure their clothing and accessories are respectful to fellow guests. Well, that's, you know, that's nice, right? Mm -hmm. But it goes on to say specifically items worn during the cruise should not contain any message that may be considered offensive or contain nudity, profanity, sexual innuendo, or suggestions. In addition, clothing and accessories should not promote negative ethnic nor racial commentary or hatred or violence in any form. Listener question this week comes from Randy. We are sailing out of Long Beach, California and flying into LAX. Any hotel suggestions? Yeah, Randy, I would probably suggest just heading right to Long Beach and you can stay at the Queen Mary. You can literally toss a a penny from one ship to the other. So all you would have to do once you take your taxi from LAX to the Queen Mary Hotel is just the next morning, just wheel your luggage a few yards and you're on the panorama. Um, the next thing would be probably I would suggest the Crown Plaza. That's about a 10 minute ride for, to the port of Long Beach. But, you know, it gets you, you don't, you don't want to have to worry about LA traffic in the morning. So mm-hmm. it's always best, in my opinion, I think Doug, you'll probably agree, just get to where you have to be when you arrive so that the next morning you have less stress. So Crown Plaza would be my suggestion. And then uh, also in, in um, Long Beach is the Doubletree Hotel. It's on the waterfront. It has bike rentals. It has a pool and all that typical hotel stuff that you'd find with Doubletree, including the chocolate chip cookies. And uh, that is, what did you say, Doug? That was about 10-minute mm, ten ten walk. 10-minute yeah. walk, yeah. Yeah, 10-minute yeah. walk or maybe a 5- to 10-minute uh, taxi ride because you have to actually – kind of go out and around out. to get to the ship if you're down there at Hotel Maya, the Double Tree. But that's a nice uh, nice property. And, you know, if you're one of those ship geeks who like to watch the ship come in like I am, it's a 10-minute walk to the terminal. You have a perfect view. Stand right there on the rocks and just take your pictures. Yep. And then for the airport hotels, if you decided you just wanted – you're getting tired, you don't want to deal with, you know, all that. For the airport hotels, the ones that I am familiar with would be the Marriott, where I've stayed, the Hampton Inn, uh, Homewood Suites. But, Doug, you have another one that you wanted to add also that yeah, you stayed at. Yeah, actually, it's right across from the Marriott. You were just talking about um, the Four Points by Sheraton. They have a shuttle that runs every 20 minutes from every terminal to the hotel, um, a nice shuttle van. And also, shuttle service starts in the morning back to LAX. And just to throw this in, if you're taking a lift from LAX to Long Beach, expect to pay somewhere between $45 and $60. Again, I always say you know, get to where you're going the night before so you don't have to worry about it in the morning. But, you know, if you arrive, it's late and you're tired. Those are good choices for airport hotels. Yeah, that L.A. traffic sucks. God. Yeah. All right. You can email your questions to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. 
straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Richard just returned from a seven-night cruise aboard Norwegian Bliss. It went down to the Bahamas. What would you call this, Richard? Like the typical Bahamas run from Manhattan? Yeah, definitely. When you leave out of New York, you have sort of a limited selection uh, of options, especially if you're only doing a week. So you either go up, uh, which I did earlier this year on Carnival Sunrise, or you go down to Florida, the Bahamas, and uh, their their private island, Great Stirrup Keg. I am so rude. First off, Richard, welcome to the show. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Give us some pre-cruise thoughts sailing Norwegian Bliss. It was an unexpected trip, honestly, because I had just done, like, maybe four or five weeks earlier, had done the Sunrise Cruise. But for some reason, I was just really feeling like I needed a cruise. And it turned out that, and I've noticed this before, Thanksgiving week tends to be, you can find some good bargains if you hunt around. And I got a great deal on this. So I booked rather late last minute, got a, um, got a balcony and got the drink package, got the, the internet, got the, uh, dinner package. So it was too good to pass up. So I said, the heck with it. Let's do it. Now, we had you on a couple of weeks ago talking about the casino programs and how the perks work with the Casino Players Mm -hmm. Club at Sea thing. Um, Did you book this through the casino program? I did not. Um, I did not. It's... I know that it makes no difference because they're tracking my gambling whether I book through the casino or not. But Mm -hmm. I had this weird thing in my head that this was going to be a cheap cruise. I wasn't going to spend a whole lot of money in the casino. And so I didn't want to book it through the casino and then feel like, oh, wow, I booked it through the casino. I really need to spend a lot. It doesn't work that way. Like It's going to count toward or against my my ranking with um, Casino at Seas either way. But sometimes my head works a little weird. So I did not book it through the casino. And you live in the Manhattan area. So how was embarkation? Uh, embarkation was great. We got off to a weird start because um, uh, the, the the cruise coming into us was a 21-day cruise. And they had had quite a bit of illness on the ship, both passengers and crew. So we got an email about – I think it was about three or four days before we were supposed to set sail – 
telling us that embarkation was going to be later than expected, that we shouldn't show up to the pier until around two o'clock. They didn't necessarily say why that was, but uh, I was in a member of a Facebook group that had was pretty active, and it turned out that one of the people in our Facebook group was actually on the cruise. He was doing a back-to-back, uh, and, and so he was able to kind of fill us in on what was going on. They basically needed time to do the deep cleaning that you have to do after there's a, a certain amount of, of illness on board. Mm-hmm. So they told us not to come till about twelve uh, till about two o'clock. I got there probably around one thirty and walked right on. It took it took no time whatsoever. It was like one of the simplest embarkations ever, and it seems as if uh, pretty much everyone I talked to had that exact same experience. No matter what time they got there, that 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 the whole process went very smoothly. Yeah, I always tell people that. I mean, I know that there's one way of thinking that you're spending the money. You want to, you know, suck out every single minute you can on the cruise ship. But you can, You might wait in line in some ports if you try to get on early or wait till your zone is called. Where if you board, like I just boarded Norwegian Sky, I had a 2 o'clock or 2.30 check-in. And I had the same exact experience you did in Port Miami where – Legit, it was seven minutes from checking my bag to walking on the ship. Yeah, same here. Seven minutes or less, I agree. The only reason I sometimes try and go early um, is if I'm doing a Norwegian ship that has Vibe on board, which is their um, four-fee adults-only area. It, those passes can sell out really quickly, so I might want to be on, be there early, get on as quickly as I can, and go grab a vibe pass. But I wasn't doing vibe this time, so it didn't really matter. And it, like I said, yeah, real easy. You make your way on board, Bliss. I know this is your second time being on board. What were your impressions of this go around? It's just a beautiful ship. Um, I thought that the last time, and I thought it again this time. It, it you know, there are there are the obvious big in your face. Things that are beautiful, like the the chandelier that this particular class of ship is known for, and of course the observation lounge, which is just is just beautiful and expansive, and 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 it's kind of incredible that they <laughs> set aside that much non revenue generating space for this thing. But there's also just everywhere you look, um, there's little pieces of artwork, or you know the decor in rooms, or or the lighting fixtures. It's all sort of a step up from some of their previous classes. It's very, very clear that Norwegian is trying to sort of up their image a little bit because, you know, the more if you can if you can sell yourself as being a little classier, then you might be able to get a little more money. I mean, that's how it works in the escort world, and I'm sure that's how it works in <laughs> cruising, too. What do they say? Perception is reality, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what were your impressions? I was a little nervous, honestly, because I booked a guarantee. I've never booked a guarantee before. Um, But that was part of the reason I was able to get such a great rate was, you know, I didn't know where I was going to end up. I just knew it would be a balcony, didn't know where it would be, might be, you know, underneath a disco or whatever. But I had a great room. It was on deck 13. It was sort of toward the front of the ship, uh, very nicely appointed, nice, nice balcony. Uh, I had no issues. And of course, my favorite thing of all, the shower had a glass door. (laughs) So let's talk about the food on this ship. Of course, it is Norwegian cruise line. So it's freestyle cruising. And you're uh, pretty much eating where you want when you want as long as you have a reservation for the most part. So we'll start in the main dining room or dining rooms. Talk to us about that first. 
Uh, I did the main dining room twice for dinner. I always go to the Manhattan room if I can because um, there's three main dining rooms on this ship. They all serve the same menu. But the main dining room um, that is called the Manhattan room is a little bit nicer. It's like a little classier. They sometimes have live music playing. It's just – it's a really – great venue. So I did twice there for dinner. And then I also did two or three times I did the main dining room for lunch, which is something I don't do very often. But they had a really, really nice lunch menu. The lunch menu is basically the same every day. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's it's got enough on it that, you know, over the course of a week, you can shake it up and have a couple different things. Uh, the food in both was fantastic. I don't think I had I don't think I had a bad meal all week. I don't think there was a single meal that was like, you know, warm instead of hot or that that wasn't well prepared. I think every meal I had on this ship was was pretty pretty good. And just to be clear, the food is the same like the same menu whether you're eating in the Manhattan taste or savor, is that correct? Yep, they're all three the same. They that they're different each night, but they're all three the same. Okay. And did you get to do the Q barbecue this sailing? I did. I had the um, I had the the dining package. So I the package came with three meals, and then because I'm platinum, I got two more meals. Uh, and so I I ate in Q and I ate in Los Lobos, which is the sort of high end Mexican restaurant, and I ate in the steakhouse twice. And then Food Republic once. So I kind of got a nice, you know, I made the round of all of the restaurants. Well, not all. There were a few I didn't hit, but uh, but I got a good selection. I want to touch on Cagney's for a moment here. And maybe you can shed some light on this for me. I When I did Sky, I had the dining perk. My cruise was only four nights, so I had to pick the one perk. So I picked dining. It would cost you an arm and a leg if you didn't have the dining package. Oh, heck yeah. It's the same as – and that's true on Norwegian with all of the uh, various – we've, we've talked about this before. The drink package is the same way, whereas on Carnival, you're paying like, what, $59 a day for mm-hmm. the drink package? On Norwegian, it's $100 a day, and that's just for the basic drink package. That's not for the, like, you know, get anything you want drink package. Um, I, and I, I think that with the dining rooms, just like with the drink package, they do the same thing. It's so that when you take that – package they can say oh look we're saving you you know x amount of dollars and they can really inflate that price to make it seem like you're saving much more than you really are what's interesting is there are other restaurants um, there are some restaurants that you can go to on board that they're not that expensive you know for example if you go to the district brew house which isn't a restaurant but they have small plates you can order small plates for like you know three four five seven dollars each so there are definitely places on board where even if you're paying you can get a better price the steakhouse is not one of them so it's basically like a, a big value prop then like it's totally yeah okay talk to us about food republic food republic is amazing food republic is um, I think I think they call it like Asian fusion or something, but it's basically tapas. And the way it is is they have a uh, basically an iPad that you order off of. And with the meal package, you get to select four things. What's really cool is if like you go with somebody, so you order four things and they order four things, and it's great for sharing. I in fact I should have ordered. I should have when I was ordering thought to ask for half orders on a couple things because for example, one of the dishes I got was tempura shishito peppers, which were incredible. But it was also like they bring this plate out and there's like 20 shishito peppers on there. No human being should eat 20 shishito peppers. For the record, I did eat 20 shishito peppers <laughs> and I did feel it later that night. But 
It's just, it's a great experience. Really, really good food. Did you eat at the local? I didn't. Uh, I, I usually do at some point. I'm, you know, in the casino until two in the morning and I, I join all the other late night people at, uh, at, at the local for wings or whatever. But I didn't at all this time. I did actually run into someone who was um, in my Facebook group there and had a long chat with them while they were eating. And they were eating these desserts that looked amazing. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I try really, really hard not to eat desserts when I'm on a cruise... I would have definitely gotten in on some of that action. And how was the buffet? I'm trying to think. I only did the buffet, you know, I think I did it maybe one day for lunch. I was kind of running late and I wanted to grab something before I got off the ship. It was good. Norwegian puts on a nice buffet. Um, It's pretty diverse. One thing that was really interesting was that because there was the illness on the previous cruise, you know, the, the people who had gotten off, the buffet for the first two days, you did not serve yourself. Every single thing had to be served to you. Now, as you can imagine, that required a lot of manpower because not only did they need the people behind the counter who were preparing the food, but now at every station, they had to have somebody there to serve you. Apparently, and I don't know if this is true on all lines, but apparently when they have a situation like this, they do that. And they also um, prop open all of the bathroom doors, not the interior stall doors, but the exterior doors. They were all propped open for the first two days so that you never had to touch the door handles. So the buffet became on the first couple days, a real madhouse. It was because it took so long to get through anything because they had to individually serve everybody. And while we're talking about food, the Observation Lounge is one deck below the Garden Cafe, and they also serve food in there too, correct? Like breakfast and lunch? Not just breakfast and lunch. They have um, at various times, they even have like dinner stuff up there. It's a limited buffet, and it's not all the time, mm-hmm. but it is during the hours you would expect. Like during lunchtime, there is um, a nice little selection. I was surprised. I actually had dinner up there one evening. I had gotten back from a short excursion and didn't really feel like, you know, getting dressed or going to the buffet or anything like that. So I just wandered down to the observation lounge. Honestly, to be to be quite honest, I was just going to go down and drink my dinner. Mm-hmm. And I walked through and there was just this really nice selection of like salads and paninis and they had desserts. It's great. And it tends not to get crowded because a lot of people don't quite realize that there is the variety of food available down there that's available. Elaborate on limited options. I mean, it's not going to be. It is a buffet, but it's not going to be as big as the buffet up at uh, up at the up at the actual buffet. But they, you know, like they're not going to have a carving station down there, and they're not going to have, you know, the whole Asian station there. But they did have uh, sandwiches. They had um, two or three different kinds of salad. They have uh, they have drinks. They have desserts. They have, you know, it's it's. It's plenty of food there. I mean, you know, in the real world, you would be very happy with that as a normal buffet, as opposed to like, you know, 5,000 things that we get on a typical cruise buffet. Let's talk about entertainment on this seven night cruise. What did you think of it? Phenomenal. Um, Mainly because uh, they have a show on here called Six the Musical. Six the Musical is... um, it's, I think it's currently playing on the West End in London. It's going to make its debut this spring in, in New York City on Broadway. And it's crazy to me. I don't know how it happened, but somehow Norwegian actually landed it on their ship before it makes its Broadway debut. And it's just this, this to be fair, it's a show people either love or hate. <laughs> I heard some people being like, I literally heard a guy as we were walking out of the theater say, if this is the future of Broadway, we're all doomed. Um, But I loved it. It's kind of like this. It's sort of, it's the six wives of Henry VIII telling, having a competition for which one 
one of them you should feel the most sorry for. And it's all done through really like really energetic music. It's just a blast. It was a lot of fun. They also had Jersey Boys, which I didn't go to see because I've seen that on Broadway a couple of times. But everybody who saw it raved. Uh, then they have Prohibition, the Happy Hour, the musical, which I didn't see because I saw that on the last time I was on the ship. That one is with a fee. It's like $25 or $30, but they serve you five drinks during the course of the show. And it's a very fun show. There was just – there was – that's a lot. You know, like like it's crazy to me when you think about the fact that on this ship, you're getting two Broadway shows. <laughs> that's yeah. That's insane to me. I can't believe they have two Broadway shows on this ship. Are you still upset about Frankie Valley snubbing you? Is that why you didn't see? <laughs> it is. It okay. is. I, I refuse to let him. I, I, I will not. I will not. Uh, I will not deem to see that show again. No. What, poor what exactly? He's old. I forgive him. What happened there? You went to shake his hand and he like just was like, there's just, ladies around me? I, this was at the press, uh, the press unveiling for Bliss. Um, they had an event. Because Jersey Boys was going to be on the ship, they had Frankie Valley there. And he did a little speech. And, and I think at that point, he looked very old. Old and very frail. And I think he just, I think, honestly, he was a little bit afraid of the crush of people because there were a lot of people <laughs> who wanted to meet this legend. And so, yeah, he kind of snubbed me. But that's OK, Frankie. No, no harm, no foul. I understand. Let's talk about sea days on Norwegian Bliss. Uh, how were they? They were great. We had a few. We had quite a few of them. So because uh, we sailed out of New York on Sunday, Monday was a sea day. And then the last two days were both sea days. I really like having two days on the way back to totally relax before you have to dive back into the real world. Uh, there seemed to be, you know, there seemed to be plenty of loungers. Uh, there's there's not it's not a huge pool on this ship. Uh, Norwegian's big ships do not necessarily have the biggest of pools. I'm not the kind of person who really like lays in the sun or sits by the pool that much. So I was more interested in everything going on around the ship. And there was a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, there was there was always something to see, something to do. I also tend to be the kind of person who is perfectly happy sitting on my balcony and, you know, just just reading for the afternoon to get away from everything. But it was yeah, they were they were pretty nice. How popular were the go karts and laser tag? I don't know particularly how popular the laser tag was, but the go karts were crazy popular. Um, there were people complaining. They do sell a pass that's good for the week, but they only sell a very limited number of them. Like it's like ten or fifteen passes for the week, which of course sell out very quickly. And so there were a lot of people complaining that they couldn't get that. There. Even on days when the weather wasn't particularly great, there were people, you know, lined up. They had their reservations for that track. It was extremely popular. Everyone I know that or that I talked to who did the laser tag really enjoyed it. But I don't know if it was quite the, you know, the big ticket item that the racetrack is. Now, Norwegian Bliss is one of the last ships with the Spice H2O area, correct? Yes, and the Spice H2O area on this ship is kind of cool. So Spice H2O is one of two adult-only places. The other is Vibe, which you have to pay for, but Spice H2O is completely free. On the other ships in this class, the back of Spice H2O is taken up by a gigantic screen. They use it during the day to like show you know, videos of islands and things, and then at night they use it for to put projections for the dance parties and stuff on this one. Instead of that, you have a glass wall back there, which I love because you like actually can look at the ocean instead of looking at pictures of the ocean on a giant screen. So it's a, it's a really, really nice area on all the ships. It's great. But I think on this one, 
it's got just that little extra with the view that I really love. How does the vibe pass work on a sailing like this? Because you're leaving Manhattan in pretty much the winter time. You're not going to get to use it that much. Are they still charging you the same rate? Same way as it always does. Um, you go to, you know, in this case, they sell them at Society, which is um, sort of the where they do the comedy shows. And it's $209 for the week. And that's, you know, whether you're going to use it for one day or seven days, it's oh, wow. basically the same price. It's uh, I, I have bought it on sailings in the winter when I know coming into and out of New York, you know, that that last day and that first day, you are not going to get use out of it. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, I remember on one of my trips, I was coming back and it was so cold up there. But people were up there determined to like, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care how cold it is. I'm having my drinks at Vibe. And I felt so bad for the bartender. The bartender is sitting there with like, you know, three parkas and two hats on. Uh, But yeah, it it works the same no matter what. There are times when they close it if it's too cold or if it's too rainy. But otherwise, you know, you you pay your $209 and take your chances. Yeah, I was wondering if it was, you know, the pricing was based on seasons or if they didn't think a lot of people were going to use it. They might lower their price, but I guess not, huh? No, it doesn't seem to be. Not mm. at all. And I mean, you know, it's not really any colder up there than like um, one night, one of my favorite nights on the trip, I was on the waterfront, which is sort of the, the outdoor promenade where they have bars and restaurants. And there was a group of us sitting outside. We had just, you know, just just random people who were all sitting there talking and drinking. It was it was our last night, I think. And it was so cold out there. But we wanted to be outside and we wanted to be near the ocean and we just didn't care. And the only person I felt bad for was the bartender, because, you know, if we weren't there, she probably could have like shut down her bar and (laughs) gone and worked somewhere indoors. But she was very cool about it. On this seven night cruise, you went to the island Great Stirrup Key. You also went to Nassau and Port Canaveral. Uh, Let's start at Great Stirrup. They recently renovated the island. What did you think of it? loved it um i actually was able to sneak over into silver cove you know you're not supposed to be able to go over there unless you have an armband and have rented a villa and but i really wanted to see it and i so i wandered over there like really casually like "Mm, let's see if i can get in turned out that they were doing some like work on the fence that's supposed to keep you out and so nobody stopped me (laughs) and i wandered over there and got to explore it it's beautiful the the villas themselves are amazing and i you know there's rumors going around that the reason they actually have one and two bedroom villas over there because like why do you need a villa you know why do you need a villa with bedrooms on an island they're going to spend seven or eight hours on but the rumor is that when they build a pier and they're in the process of like doing all the you know pre-stuff that you do to do that that once the pier is built they might do overnights there and that makes sense like like then you know it'd be kind of cool to spend the night on the island in a in a villa with a bedroom so they're beautiful um there's a man what man mandara spa outlet over there where you can like get a massage right there on the side of the ocean there's a private restaurant there's a bar it's it's pretty swank and then I got kicked out. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and I guess those villas do make sense because, I mean, what, 66% of the company is luxury anyways, right? Regent yeah. and Oceana. So, I mean, even if the big Norwegian ships don't stay there, those ships with smaller passenger counts definitely could. You yeah. Know? I mean, That's- like I said, I think this all plays into, like I was talking about earlier, sort of, you know, swankifying your image. And, and that's going to go a long way because that whole area is beautiful. And then what did you do in Nassau? 
Nassau, a friend of mine who happens to be on this call, recommended a place called um, Never the Never Say Never Again Bar. It's right next to Senior Frogs, but sort of like juts out into the water on this cool pier. I'm not a huge fan of Senior Frogs, to tell you the truth. I know everybody raves about it, but it's just a little too like college get wasted and puke for me. Whereas the Never Say Never Again bar is kind of cool. It feels like it just it feels like you're on Fantasy Island or something. You're out there right in the middle of the beautiful blue water. You can see the ships. The food and drinks are a little more expensive, but they're top notch. The service is a little slow, but, you know, it's the Bahamas. That happens a lot. But it was it was amazing. I was so, so, so glad. I can't wait to go back to that place. Yeah, you'll want to bring your wallet there. I think we yeah. got – I want to say we got three shots of Jim Beam or vodka. I can't remember now, but it was like $66, I think, for three shots. Yeah, I had one drink. I had a, like one of the specialty drinks that's named after James Bond, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some, some James Bond thing. And then I had a salad and – no, yeah, I had a salad. And then some steak rib ribeye steak tacos, which really I did not need both of those because they were huge <laughs> portions. But my bill was like you know eighty dollars or something. But uh, you know what? It was worth every oh penny. Gosh, it was a view? gorgeous setting, and yeah. I really loved it. And if you're there, if your ship does stay a little bit late there, it's a perfect place to watch the other ships sail in and out of the harbor. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, I enjoyed just watching. You know, you could see the various small ships that take excursions and stuff sailing in and out. It's it's pretty incredible. I really can't wait to go back there. And then there's Port Canaveral. Port Canaveral, our very first stop. And I went over to the Wilderness Lodge, and which is my favorite place in the world at Walt Disney World, and went to Geyser Point, which is their sort of pool bar, outdoor restaurant kind of thing, and had an Amazing afternoon. It really was a highlight. It kind of reminded me. I haven't been to Disney in a while because cruising has taken over my former Disney love, but it really made me want to go back to the Wilderness Lodge because that place is awesome. And it took you two days to get back from uh, the Bahamas up to Manhattan. So how was disembarkation once you got back to New York City? Well, all right. So, so far I've been raving about this trip and you would think it was the most amazing trip ever. And it was. I've never had a bad trip, but disembarkation was problematic and it was also emblematic of another issue on the ship and that was overall service service was abysmal i mean in the restaurants really not in the bars the bar service seemed to be pretty good mostly in the restaurants you noticed it um and i i there's i think there's a couple reasons for this One is Norwegian Encore had just debuted like a week or two earlier, and Norwegian, whenever a new ship rolls out, they take all of their best people and put them on that ship to train other people. So first you've got that. Then you've got the fact that they were short-staffed because some of the staff got sick on the previous cruise. Then finally, it was a Thanksgiving week cruise, which means it was packed and it was packed with big groups. I mean, I know there were at least three different groups that had like 18, 20 people in them. And you throw a party of 18 into a dining room and it really messes things up. That aside, but even taking all that out, it just, the service was really, really bad. Now, it doesn't bother me because I go in and I've got my drink and I've got my Kindle and I'm dining by myself. I don't care how long it takes, whatever. I've got nowhere to go. But it kind of made me glad that I wasn't traveling with somebody because when you're traveling with somebody, suddenly it becomes like, when the food, when nobody's come to your table to bring you appetizers in 20 minutes or whatever, 
somebody's going to comment on it. You know, one of the people you're with is going to comment on it and then it starts to spiral and it just becomes sort of a, a vortex of suck. So I really, really, really was glad that I was traveling by myself. Disembarkation. I've seen this before on the big ships. This was probably the worst I've ever seen. It just, it took forever. There was no organization. Part of it is because the way they do it is sort of almost on an honor system where, you know, they say, okay, if you have a green tag, come down now. But if you look in the line, half the people in line don't have green tags. They're just like, I want to get off the ship now and I'm going to do it. It was the same problem at Great Stirrup K. The, we tendered to Great Stirrup K. And again, it was disastrous. There were people who didn't get over to the island. We started at around 11 o'clock taking people over. And there were people who didn't get there until like 2.30 because it just took so long for the process. It really, really was not good. And, you know, disembarkation, I've always said, is sort of the most important part of the cruise to a certain degree because it's the last experience you have you know like when you go to a disney park they always at the end of the night do fireworks because they want to send you off with what they call a kiss good night if if this was a kiss it was nasty and the person had bad breath and their teeth were falling out (laughs) in your mouth because it just it just it was it was i can't tell you how many people i heard say i will never cruise again or if it was their first experience or never again with Norwegian, you know, because it, they they just assumed this was Norwegian. And this is what Norwegian came to represent to them was the bad service they'd had during the week and the horrific disembarkation. Wow. Way to end the interview on a positive note. I, and, and, you uh, know, and that's the thing, just, I have to say, I, I really, I want to make clear, it was an amazing cruise. I mean, I had great food. The entertainment was incredible. Um, but again, I was glad that I was traveling by myself because, you know, like if I was with my sister, um, my sister would have been complaining about a lot of this stuff, uh, um, or my mom or, you know, anybody you're traveling with friends, other people are going to complain about that stuff. Um, and I'm just not that kind of person. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm pretty laid back. But even I was sort of like, wow, this is bad. Yeah. I mean, either you have it or you don't with disembarkation, right? Like it's either good or bad. It's not just, eh, what's whatever. Right. No, this was, this was bad, really bad. That is the worst part of a cruise though, getting off the ship. I mean, in more ways than one. It already sucks to be getting off Mm -hmm. the ship. And now you're having a bad experience on top of it. You know, like you're, that is how you're ending your vacation. The only thing that can make it worse is if you're one of those unlucky people who has to go to the airport and deal with an airport afterwards, because yeah. then you've gone from a bad disembarkation to a crappy airport experience. So that's even worse. Oh, I was going to ask you, um, because this was a Thanksgiving cruise, was there a lot of kids on board? There were a ton of kids. And, and you know, normally that's one of the reasons I buy a Vibe Pass is like if I have to travel in summer or something, I'll buy the Vibe Pass because I know I can hang out there. Weirdly, despite the fact that there were a million kids on this ship, they didn't bother me. Maybe I was just giving off, you know, get off my lawn vibes or mm-hmm. something and they knew to stay away from me. But but I did notice a lot of kids at night, like running around, like, you know, like unleashed dingoes. (laughs) There were, you would go, you'd go down a hallway at midnight and there'd be like 12, 10 year olds running down the hallway. (laughs) I just, I, I, parents apparently just let them go free range. And, you know, you hear about that, but I'd never really seen it quite to the extreme. I saw it this week. First time tips for someone sailing Norwegian bliss. Go to the observation lounge. It's incredible any time of day. I really enjoyed at night. They had a piano player in there uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. But 
she wasn't one of those piano players who's playing like, you know, rowdy music and sing-alongs and stuff. This was lovely, wind down, end of day, have a drink and let her beautiful voice just wash over you kind of music. Uh, it's also a great place to just go and grab a bite. Uh, the silent disco is always fun. Uh, not, you know, that's becoming more and more popular on ships and, and, you know, it's kind of fun when you get a mix like we had, because there were a lot of like young people who knew what a silent disco was and understood. And then there were a lot of older people who wandered in, put on the headphones and were like, what the heck is this? You know, what's going on here? And it was fun to watch them. Uh, there's, it's, it's a beautiful ship. It's a really, really beautiful ship and there's plenty of food. The entertainment's great. C6. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it, but you will not walk away without an opinion. That's for sure. Final thoughts of Norwegian bliss. I love it. I, despite this bad experience with service and disembarkation, I would do it again in, in a heartbeat because I really do think, well, disembarkation, I think is a problem that all of the breakaway and breakaway plus class ships have. I, I have been on, you know, numerous ones and, and it's been a problem almost every single time, but take that out of the picture. And even with the, the service issues that we had, I think the other service issues were a fluke. I would do this ship in a heartbeat. It's, it's a, it's a real, real great ship. It's also, you know, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens next because Norwegian's next class of ships, um, Encore was the last of this class and the next ones are going to be a little bit smaller. They're going to be between, uh, the, the ones that are like the jewel class, and the ones that are the Vista class, the Leonardo class will be somewhere in the middle. So I'm looking forward to trying that and seeing, you know, does that help disembarkation, if nothing else? We've been talking with Richard about his seven-night cruise on Norwegian Bliss. Thanks for joining us. As always, thanks for having me. All right, Dougie, here we go for uh, the new uh, cruise radio stuff here for you. <clears throat> cruise radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.